Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Corcoran Entertainment Show. I'm your host, Frankie Corcoran, and today we are coming at you with the penultimate episode of Season 1 of the Corcoran Entertainment Show. Uh, how crazy is that? How crazy is that? The penultimate episode. That's crazy. Um, so basically how this is going to go is, uh, so this, for the year, this will be our last t uh, weekly, normal, nor like, normal Tuesday uh, release until next year um just uh you know gives us a nice little break for uh for the holiday season uh it's always hard to book uh guests and stuff like that during the holidays when you know they're spending time with their families this and that and the other thing uh and then of course i'm i have commitments to my family as well and so we will be taking a break after our season finale that will be released on Christmas Eve. We will have a few people on. We'll do a nice little uh, reflection on uh, the year 2022 as a whole. And then we will come back on January 3rd with all new episodes. We will take a little bit of a, of a short hiatus and uh, be back in the new year. All set to go for uh, season two. That's how we'll break the seasons down. We'll break them down by by uh, years. Uh, so who knows if we get to like season five? Been doing this for five years. You know, it's 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 easier to keep count that way. Um, <laughs> so um, yeah. So uh, today's episode is gonna be a little uh, deja vu back to the pilot. Uh, or as <laughs> uh, as our guest Jansen Blackyear has said, he's back in Blackyear. Uh, the original uh, title of the episode was Back to the Pilot, but then as soon as Jansen had told me that, I said, no, 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 I said, okay, I'm, I'm changing that title right now. That's awesome. Uh, so, yep, so he's back today uh, uh, on the show. Super excited to have him back. We're going to be talking about his recent theatrical endeavor, which was uh, St. John Theatre Company's Miracle on 34th Street at the Imperial Theatre in St. John. Remarkable show. I had talked about it a little bit on the podcast a few episodes ago. Remarkable show. Absolutely loved it. And uh, he'll talk a little bit about the last time he and I worked together, which was, of course, uh, Lend Me a Tenor with CM Productions by uh, the amazing Ken Ludwig. And we're also going to be giving our thoughts on uh, some some of our favorite Christmas movies. And uh, we will talk about uh, Joker 2 uh, or Joker Folia 2, the sequel to the 2019 Joker film starring Joaquin Phoenix. Whether we think it's a good idea that they're even doing a sequel to it since it was originally meant to be a standalone movie but you know when your film makes a billion dollars you know that's kind of a no-brainer what you do next so um so yep yeah, so without further ado guys enjoy the show today Welcome back to the Corcoran Entertainment Show. I'm your host, Frankie Corcoran, and today we are having a little bit of deja vu here. We are back to the pilot episode of the podcast. We are joined by uh, none other than Mr. Jansen Black here, who still holds the title as the first guest on this on the history of this podcast. Jansen, how you oh, doing, man. buddy? Oh, I am doing great, Frank. Uh, great to be back. Uh, man, I'm real excited. I love, I love the talk. It's going to be great. This is great. It's it's so it's so great. Um, so um, you guys can't see this because it's audio only now. But uh, Jansen has got got a pretty sick uh, mustache going on here. Oh. So I mean, like it, it kind of grew on you, didn't it? Oh, absolutely. What I've been calling like since twenty twenty two started, it's been the Jansen mustache arc. 
you know, from House of Violations to like now, like God, it's it's stuck throughout the entire year. So, <laughs> well, know what I love? It's uh, some actors they'll they will like draw a mustache on, or oh, they'll yeah. get this big prosthetic. But you go, <laughs> you go one step beyond, and you actually grow the full thing. I mean, what what's your take on that? Do you uh, uh, are you all about uh, practicality, or if it's because it's theater, it's like ah, oh, whatever, just make it look real? Like, what's your take on it? Oh uh, well, I'm not like I want. I said I wanted to try it for House of Violations whenever we did that, just because uh, I know it's new look and. I know, well, like, I, I know it's not for everybody, but I, I do like trying to do as much with my, like, like, physical self as I can, because, well, I'm, I'm happy with who I am, and if I can, like, show, like, that, like, I'm happy in my own body, and that I can, uh, like, show different aspects of that, like, like, with the mustache, uh, then, like, yeah, absolutely, so I am very much, like, I love doing stuff like that. You look great. Uh, <laughs> Even though, like, of course, for, um, uh, you know, with Tito Morelli, I, of course, had to shave it off. And, you know, every, like, night during intermission, I just grow it back and, like, in no time flat. But... <laughs> yeah, I keep forgetting that. I don't know why. There was some reason. I kept thinking that you did ha have a mustache for that. And then I look back on uh, that picture that you and I took from the dress rehearsal of Lemmy at Tenor. I said, oh, yes. oh, geez. I said, why did I think that was real? That looks so <laughs> fake. That looks on stage. It looked fine. But backstage, I'm like, no, no, that's fake. Like, there's no, oh, there's no way in hell Jansen grew The quality that. of my mustache. And then, well, if it's just as good as a fake one, then. It shows how damn good of an actor you are. Oh yeah, don't mind my camera. My camera's. <laughs> oh man. I'm entering the multiverse right now. Um, oh, wow. It's been. Yeah, it's... for uh, those at home who can't see it, he is. It is freaking out. Ooh. Yeah, my camera. Yeah, I, I don't know what happened with it. I plugged it in, and then it said something like, "Oh, your camera's not." I'm just gonna shut it off because Jansen's gonna like collapse from. I'll shut it off there for a bit and turn it on later. Uh, yeah, <laughs> like I look up and Jansen just. <laughs> <laughs> but, oh, oh well i mean it's audio only that's one of the benefits now is i mean we 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 can pretty much do this podcast ass naked and nobody's gonna see it so uh <laughs> oh who says uh well you only got the top half here frank so <laughs> <laughs> oh, J oh jansen oh jansen i see your ass oh don't sit down no <laughs> oh man <laughs> um so okay this podcast took a turn um Oh, absolutely. Well, <laughs> we went from talking to mustaches to asses. Uh, <laughs> how do we do this? Um, so last time I saw you, Jansen, uh, took a little trip to St. John to watch you in your first production uh, outside of the Miramichi, which was, of course, St. John Theatre Company's Miracle on 34th Street, uh, staged at the Imperial Theatre. Uh, almost, almost a full month ago now. Uh, it's crazy that it's been that long. It feels like just yesterday you were like, hey, guys, I might try out for the show. And <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to get the part. And then here we are now. We're, we're still buzzing for, uh, from it. So just tell us the whole experience. This was, you know, like from start to finish, the audition process, uh, actually being on stage at a different theater. Feel free, take it away. <laughs> awesome, thanks, Frank. Uh, well, I, what I got, what can I say? It was like for the first forte out of like for, out of Miramichi. I I gotta say, it was, it, it was miraculous. I, I loved it. It was so auditions held were held back in September. I think second week of going back into university. Like it was like right from the get go. Went down to uh, the audition space and like man, I. Like, I'll be honest, I'm, when I went down, I was not expecting, like, 
a whole lot because well like it's i have no name down there i am um like it's i'm i'm as new as like a new person can be down there for the theater industry start from the ground up (laughs) exactly right and so it was daunting it was really really daunting getting to do that but uh in the audition process bob doherty the director it was just me and him and uh I read a script, uh, a portion of the script, the only portion where I thought I could actually like have a chance of impressing him because all the other uh, characters were, uh, it was either the uh, lead, which I'm like, God, I, I, I have no shot, no shot whatsoever. <laughs> uh, or a guy who was specifically said to be an old man. So it was, it was those two or the third choice. So I had to go with the third choice. And uh, it went real, I have to say it went really well. He was really impressed. Um, uh, I also hit it off really well when talking about my previous uh, theater-like experience. I brought up that uh, the last show I had did over the summer was uh, Lend Me a Tenor. And the director uh, said immediately, like, oh, I've been, I wanted to do that show this year. So we had a great conversation right off the get-go about like, uh, like what we liked about the show. And then like, so that really was in my favor. And uh, not less than like a few days later, I get an email saying that uh, I got three, offered three small parts in it. It was, and it was, I mean, I was stoked. It was, it was so awesome. And is it uh, one of those moments where you have to reread the email because you're like, wait, I'm, you know, like you said, you're like, I'm kind of a nobody coming in here now. So <laughs> when you look at it, you're like, oh my God, I got three parts. And then you look back, did it say three parts or did it say no parts? Like what, <laughs> like, like, you know, so were you kind of like, like shocked by it? Were you shocked that, that you got three parts or was it just, yeah, I kind of expected to get something, you know? Well, I know I'll be honest. I went in there like, you know, just as optimistic as can be. Like I was hoping for the bare minimum, just like one small part. So whenever I found out that I'm getting three small parts that kind of combined together, it was, uh, it was awesome. And uh, so of course, like <laughs> you get there and it's like, yes, hell yes. It is uh, attendant number one, photographer number two. Yes, I did it. Yeah. And then of course um, uh, the part that like, I'm surprised that like that got so, popular was I I was the bailiff in act two uh so god I mean it was a lot of fun uh well the whole cast was super super supportive Uh, a lot of like all of them really professional but like really like receptive to like not only the director but also just creating a nice camaraderie that like for someone who like knew nobody it was it was awesome being like getting put into that environment like we'd go out for uh, like out to a bar every now and again uh, after a practice or and that was awesome the rehearsals ran really really smoothly Bob is a, a very specific director and what he likes but uh, got it like the results it turned out real good and god it was just a great experience no man and then from the audience too like it was it's it it was such a huge um i remember like even watching like it felt it literally felt like i was watching broadway like you know how broadway they'll have the whole like wall will come down and then the wall will come up and then it was one second upstairs that's uh that's that's like the 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 psych ward and then one second one and the next second it's someone's office like i'm like it 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 literally felt like 
like I watched something on Broadway and it was the first time in that theater too. Like I wasn't sure what I was expecting from the Imperial theater. I mean, I knew obviously it's big and everything. I went in, I said, Oh my God, this feels amazing. And my buddy is on stage for this. You know what I mean? Like, um, and then of course, feel free to talk about what was, um, I mean, I still remember when you came on as the bailiff and oh, that was yeah. such a great audience interaction. What was that like? Cause that's basically, cause like the other couple parts you had, I mean, like, you know, the, the uh, photographer yeah, and, and the sheriff, it was kind of like smaller uh, yeah. compared to the bailiff, but what was it like all of a sudden? Okay. Now this is my chance to shine. Like what's oh. going through your head. <laughs> so um, the interesting thing. So Bob uh, in the script, he wanted this little bit of audience uh, interaction between me, the bailiff, and the audience, which would be the courtroom, right? And, oh my lord. Uh, so, uh, anywho, I'll, so I get like, I'm, okay, Bob, what do you want me to say, uh, like, specifically, whenever, like, it comes to this? And he says, oh, just do whatever. So throughout, like, the entire three-month rehearsal process, we hadn't practiced uh, these, uh, a specific time where uh, if so, the whole part of the bailiff is just making sure everybody rises. I'll rise, you know, like do the little spiel, right? Um, but uh, Bob said, if the people don't rise, then you just have to improv, right? And it was one of those things where, like, oh, yes, that's awesome, but God, there's going to be like the biggest crowds I've ever acted before in front of me on top of. Uh, well, like, there was so much pressure on the line, and not once did we practice it, not once, which is absurd. He put that much faith in me, and come opening night, um, everyone's been, uh, like, used to me just going around, like, the usual things of everyone supposedly, like, rising, and, uh, and of course, like, in a natural theater-like setting, nobody is expecting to have to actually physically rise out of their seats during this scene, right? So I get up there, and I I am the sassiest, like, uh, he said, do a New York accent. Well, hey, yo, hey, I'm, like, I'm teasing them. I'm, like, they're eating it up as well. Like, they're laughing their asses off. Um, like, I get about half of the uh, uh, whole crowd to stand up in the first night, which God, I, I couldn't help uh, anything more than that. And like, God, it was, it was awesome. It was so cool. Just like, uh, like I was put on the line and I, I have to say myself, I was really proud with like me being able to improvise and keep the audience entertained throughout every, like I had a very minimal amount of dialogue as the bailiff, but uh, despite that, I was able to leave a lasting impact, which was, which, which was, which is awesome. Like there's, uh, I made a post slightly after just talking about my experiences with the show. And I said that, well, like there's the phrase, there are no small parts, only small actors. And it's, it's true that it's like, it can, it may not always be the part because of the script, but in that moment right there, I felt, yeah, I truly just like, took something small and made it as big and like memorable as I possibly could. That's awesome. And you absolutely nailed it too. You absolutely nailed it. And it was, it's so funny. Like you're, when you're, when you're acting in Miramichi, Miramichi is such a small town and it's such, it's so community based. So, I mean, like if you were doing something like that, uh, if you were doing something like that, 
in Miramichi, you'd be looking out in the audience and you'd say, oh, there's so-and-so. Oh, there's my mom. Oh, there's my mom again. Oh, oh, oh there's my dad. You know what I mean? But in Saint, here you are in St. John, you don't really know much of anybody. So you're, oh. you're going out there saying all this to like complete strangers. You know what I mean? Like, it's oh, like, yeah. like, how is that too? Also, because I mean, like you're so used to Miramichi and your, and the usual crowd. And you're so used to seeing like, of, of course, your mother, your mother got oh. shout out to you, Dietrich. The best. Yeah, audience. She's going to be watching. I'll tell you that. <laughs> the best audience member you could ever ask for. And I'm not just saying that because you're going to be listening <laughs> to this, but, but uh, what's it like when you're all of a sudden you're in a different town and you know so after the show of all all the shows uh that we did here there'd be like the little audience meet and greet and you go you see everybody hey there's so-and-so there's so-and-so hey hey mom hey dad uh hey dewey you're here um but now for this one it's like i don't know anybody you know what i mean so what's what's that like and how has that changed compared to what you're used to well in uh one thing that like was real different is when I think there is something when whenever you look out into an audience and you see somebody you know, I think at least for me that makes it a lot more uh, nerve wracking than whenever it's a bunch of faces you don't know, because whenever you, because at least you have they have an idea of what to expect if they know you, right? Like uh like yeah you've seen my acting or uh, like Matheson or mom or dad or whoever, uh, so. Uh, one thing was I was never really nervous about like the people out there. Uh, but one thing that was different, as you said, is like I get I, usually after like a, a CM production or like even with MV that I would come back and uh, there'd be an immediate supporting crowd for me. And, and that was always nice and it was different. But uh, in place of that, the God, the cast was so supportive throughout that entire thing. Uh, like they were congratulating me. They're uh, like, they were telling me how much that, like, how much the audience was eating me up. Like they, they loved it. Like, and well, I, there was one of the uh, uh, actors there. His name was Jeff. Uh, he played the prosecutor uh, in that scene. Uh, so anyway, we uh, we always like Ron at the same time and real good guy. And uh, he said during one of the performances, his daughter came and. And he said, and she said, the whole like show was all right, but that bailiff was good. So, <laughs> so like, it was just a little thing where you didn't even have to tell me that, but like, it was just one of those things where it just hit really close to home. And it was, my God, it was awesome. It, it felt like I found my own little fan family down there and God, I couldn't have asked for more. Uh, it's gotta be so nerve wracking. I mean, we, uh, you know, I know lots of people, you, you know, not just going out to, uh, I mean, they're still in the same province uh, like you are. Like, uh, you're still in the same province going out to a different city to act. Some people go off to Toronto to try it. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, like it's always a huge step and it's always, you know, it's a big, big chance to take, you know, going outside your comfort zone. Like, you're so comfortable here. You're, you're so used to working with me and working with Matheson and working with, you know, uh, even your grandfather. You know what I mean? Like, that's so, you're so used to working with all them. Now, all of a sudden, you kind of got to start right from the ground up. But it's great, though, that you're, that you made such good friendships and your reputation up there is already pretty strong. So that's really good, too. Um, speaking of working here, uh, oh. 
the last time you and I worked together was, of course, the aforementioned uh, Let Me a Tenor. Let Me a Tenor, one of one of the best shows I think I've ever done, and one of the well, it's also you and I uh, in the past we haven't like acted well much with each other. I mean, like some scenes, I mean, like we're there, like we're there, but it's such an ensemble, like laughter on the twenty third floor, like we were acting it together, but it, we weren't like face-to-face kind of thing uh, yeah well i think the closest it ever got was probably biloxi where like i even had like just like one or two lines of dialogue and of course the the infamous shirt situation but even then like that wasn't on stage but uh, i will never uh, forget that for as long as i live i will never <laughs> forget that oh absolutely check out episode one baby <laughs> yes there you go for those of you guys who don't know we're talking about go listen friend. go listen to the pilot um <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was. It was my lord. It was a phenomenal show. My oh, and Jansen literally acted his pants off. He acted <laughs> his boots off. He acted. <sighs> for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, Jansen, feel free to elaborate. because oh, I think I think I, 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 I think it'd be better if they heard it from you. Oh my lord! Well, oh, the best way. I could, well, lend me a tenor. Like for those who've seen it, know knew I played Tito Morelli, a very high energy, very, a very Italian character. Uh, so I loved him. Oh my God. He was one of my favorites I ever got to play. Uh, like up there, it's between him and Will Parker, my, uh, between my two favorites. Can you uh, give a little Tito voice here for us? Hey, that's, that's a me. Uh, you know, it's, a, it's, it's a halfway to Mario, but you know, daddy? it's all good. Yeah, daddy. Yeah. <laughs> And he's oh, even got the mustache true. too, so it fits oh, so yeah, well. We it's, it's authentic now. It's so authentic. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> oh, yes. Um, so, of course, uh, I put my all into that show. It, so, Lend Me a Tenor is a com- comedic farce. Like, it is supposed to be high energy, pushing everything, like, all the time. Like, compared to usually with a, like, a, we usually did Neil Simon comedies, which were a lot more grounded and were much more, like, dramatic comedies and like they would like they were able to blend that like mix of like really heavy uh thematic issues and uh commute uh, like very comedic like character moments versus like we come into lend me a tenor and it is purely we are get, getting in there for escapism and just trying to make people laugh which oh my god it was like and in order to try to bring out all of that in a character you i pushed it as hard as i could and so we get the first night um and uh so in the we got this big like operatic costume me and drew are me and drew Sobi are having to swap like this big uh, whole thing where we're uh, people are mistaking drew for me and me for drew and it's all this whole big hilarious farce and we get to the final scene of the show and I come booking on uh, from uh, uh, one point of the stage and the bottom sole of my uh, shoe after all of the like pushing I've done throughout this entire show comes flying off. I am basically limping around the stage. Hilarious. Uh, I, uh, completely crazy. And I get backstage and notice, oh, oh shit, there's this big rip right in the crotch of my pants which i don't know where it came from i I, and what gets even crazier is the next night uh nancy thank god she was there to sew her up 
uh, sew up the front thing of the pants and she says, oh yeah, she, he just put it on backwards. Flip them around, put them on the right way, or the right way, and air quotes. And of course, second night comes and boom, now I got another giant rip right in the, like, in, in the crotch of the, in the new crotch of the pants. So, oh my God, it's hilarious. Um, uh, of course, then of, uh, on top of that, uh, every night, I swear I am losing another button on this magnificent white and gold coat that who knows how long Matheson's had. I, I feel so bad. And God, it's, I think it was the third night of the show. I said, you know what? If somebody doesn't like stop me, I'm probably going to destroy a piece of furniture. Fourth night comes. And uh, I, it is this kind of more quiet of a scene. Uh, during the second act, and I'm, I'm writing out a, uh, a uh, an autograph as Tito to Brianna Obi's character, and very slowly, the chair I had been leaning on and like doing everything for nights and nights before, just slowly begins to fall downwards its legs and just <laughs> onto the ground. I am like sitting above, like holding myself in place as the audience erupts from laughter with the chair collapsing. And worst, the worst of it comes from my man Frankie right here, who he doesn't know about the chair. So the chair's currently on the ground. It is like, it is tattered, it is bruised. Like there, it, it is beyond resuscitation, it is dead. And Frankie, uh, like this whole scene of like tr of me trying to cover up for so many things that are happening in Tito's like little world of chaos that's happening, and Frankie comes on for this last little like bit of it, and he goes right over to the chair, picks it right up, and sets it back down, and once again it slowly slides back onto the ground. <laughs> and <laughs> I'm not sure if you noticed, but I am almost losing it. It is so fucking funny. And, oh, it was, my Lord, it was like, it was as close to the play that goes wrong as you can get, but it, I loved it. It was so good. The characters were phenomenal. I loved working with everyone. I loved working with Ashley Robichaux really thoroughly for the first time, acting with Drew, acting with you for, again, also thoroughly. And God, it was like, no, it was it was such a great show. I'll, I'll remember that show for years and years. It was oh. a play that goes wrong, but in this case, it went right in every way imaginable. It really did. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> my, there's one thing you're forgetting. Remember, uh, right? It's when I'm chasing you on stage. You you ate shit that night. You oh. tripped over. You tripped over said chair. <laughs> That's right. I completely yes. Oh, oh yeah. So during this last scene where I lost my shoe the first night, uh, we're circling around one half of the stage. It is like it is a Tasmanian devil of chaos right over there, and of course Frankie's falling right behind me. I trip over the chair that is sunk back to the ground, like fly over. Oh my god! It oh. It, 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 it was a miracle that nobody, like, no accidents happened, but it was... I was totally expected. I don't know. Well, like, as soon as you tripped, I'm thinking, oh, fuck. Oh, there he goes off the stage. Well, because then, because then, <laughs> it was the way you stood up. I said, oh, my God. I said, did he break his fucking knee or something? Like, I don't, I don't know my mind. Well, especially when you're on stage, you're like, 
your mind's your mind's already in so many different places. So first of all, you trip. I'm like, oh my god, that's like I'm laughing. And then second of all, when I saw the way you were let your you were on your hands and knees, I said, oh my god, did he break something? Like 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 not just the chair, but did he break like a bone or something? <laughs> like you literally like. If we did one more show, I pretty I'm pretty sure you would have torn the set down. I I'm I'm ninety percent sure you would have like just the, the walls would have just collapsed. Oh so God. maybe it's good that we ended it when we did. <laughs> but still oh Lord, we Lord. will never forget it for the rest of our lives. I'm so oh. I was so happy. I was so happy with you. I, I, I was so proud of you too. Like this was really your your Andrew show. Well, I mean also, I mean, your senior year of high school was kind of like, you know, chopped up. Like, not like, like, like your drama career in high school near the end was almost like non existent. Like, it started off so strong, nine and 10, and then you got to 11, and then midway through, it just all of a sudden, COVID just screwed everything up. And then, so this was really, this was like your swan song kind of thing, even though I absolutely. hope you will be back in Miramichi again. Uh, but, <laughs> but it was, it, you were absolutely right. It was that one, it was the, it, it felt, lethargic it was it was awesome just like being able to like end it on such a high note where like usually i get really emotional after shows like as you know like <laughs> and lend me a tenor was a show where uh it you would have expected me to be really like upset after like the end of it because it was so special and it, like it meant so much but the the main thing i felt was just pride was like man I put on the best damn performance of like my eight, my 18 year old self can do. So God, like I, like I truly couldn't have been more happy with myself. And I left that night with like my head hung high. Well, and, and uh, you say of your 18 uh, year old self, by the way, guys, uh, just so you know, we are recording this a day after Jansen's birthday. So feel free to send those belated birthday wishes at the time of <laughs> at the time of you listening to this. It's going to be like uh, like uh, almost a week ago. But anyway, still still s- send those messages along. But um, fair enough, fair enough. But going into the new year, you're a 19 year old. Don't mind my dog. Um, <laughs> you are a 19 year old going in into the new year what are your plans theater wise do you know up front what you're hoping for like what's like uh what's the story that's a very good question frank uh it really all depends on where like my like career kind of brings me where uh, uh as you know uh for those who don't know i am studying marine biology down here in st john in uh at unb uh but um and the main thing right now is that uh, I want over the summer, I do want to work. I want to uh, make sure I have enough to actually pay for university. And of course, uh, uh, that all depends on where I can find work, uh, find a job, right? So there's the River Institute here in St. John. And back home, there's the uh, Salmon Association, uh, which hires on students. And it all depends on where I end up, uh, where I end up finding a job and how soon I find it. So uh if say if i uh end up getting a position here in st john i I know they're uh doing nine to five musical through st john theater company so i might audition for that and uh there's of course the fundy fringe festival that comes around in i think july and like late july early august which is a big like uh where writers submit their like pieces of writing and like is like it's this big festival celebrating theater so i'd be hoping to get involved with that 
Otherwise, if I head back home, of course, I've uh, got you or uh, Matheson back uh, home, and I'd love to, I'm like, uh, I haven't gotten to the point yet where uh, I'm too big for my britches yet, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I asked Jansen to come back for a show, and he said, oh, for your amateur thing, please. Uh, don't you know who I am, Frank? <laughs> <laughs> You're... I am Jansen fucking Black here. Mm. <laughs> I am bailiff. No, I am bailiff and photographer number two. I am a photographer number two. <laughs> <laughs> we we're saying that in the playbill. It was just so funny. Whenever we're 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 looking oh. through it, and it's like um, you know, best known for Tito Morelli, and he is now branched out to photographer number two. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we're like by all means, th this is great. <laughs> it was just so oh, funny yeah. when you're hearing that. It you're like, like, wow, like that's Bert from Mary Poppins. Like, hi, like big uh, parts in uh in uh, uh, shows from back home and a ten and a numbered character. But, oh my god. Harrison Ford went from Han Solo to Indiana Jones. Now he's playing background number two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, tree number four. <laughs> tree number four, exactly. <laughs> But no, that's great. You got to start somewhere in working up to the big leagues. You know what I mean? So this is a great, this is a great uh, start for you, man. Like I'm so happy how, how, how things have gone. Um, so here we are at Christmas time. Um, so topic number one, I mentioned uh, in the intro, uh, favorite Christmas movies. That's a big thing. Yes. Big Christmas movies. What are, uh, are there any, he, here's a question. Here's a question. Um, before we say like favorite Christmas movies, what Christmas movies to you are overplayed at this point? For me, it would be Home Alone would definitely be on there oh, for me. I can't, like, ooh, that's a very good question, Frank. Uh, oh, so uh, Home Alone, I, I, I can see Home Alone absolutely. Uh, of course, it's a classic. Um, but like, absolutely. But it's, it, oh, man, it's so tough because a lot of these Christmas movies come in as like, you know, like they're so common and they're played every holidays where it becomes like, there's a reason why they're classics, right? I think for me, and this might be a hot take and it may just be a little bit of oversaturation. I think Elf for me is beginning to be on that a level of just being a little too overplayed, but oh my God, Will Ferrell's great in it. And like, it's so charming and God, it, like there's a reason why it's so good, right? Like it's, uh, the performances are all really solid it embodies christmas it's great but like it's but whenever whenever you you ask somebody what their favorite christmas uh, movie is like like i'd say like a solid 60 percent of the time it's going to be elf yeah it's definitely elf's definitely up there for me well i mean it's like you know i remember even just thinking about this like you and i are talking about christmas movies and stuff like that i said oh, i'm gonna think about like you know what my favorite, favorite christmas movies i sat there for an hour thinking i'm like i don't know if i have a favorite christmas <laughs> movie because all the ones out there are so over like 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 home alone home alone 2 i love those movies don't get me wrong but just i've seen them so many times like you know you watch it with your family like five yeah. times and then you watch it and it's on tv and you're it's getting it's getting to the point now where i know the entire home alone script like verbatim now like it's <laughs> it's it it's really getting to that point and that's when you know like holy shit like it's the, this is getting a little bit and same with elf like elf you, you know you've seen elf so many times that you're kind of like do i like this anymore i mean like obviously you still do but then there's party like oh my god like i just I, I see this every year i don't really know if it's and what's an um arthur's perfect christmas that's a that's another one i oh, i know say that again uh, arthur's perfect christmas arthur the, oh, the, like the yeah. 
Yo, yeah. man. I don't know if you watched that Christmas special, but I, that one that there hasn't been a tradition. But um, Dietrich might get on that. <laughs> in my family, it is. I know the entire, literally, I know that entire movie like verbatim, line for line, because I've seen it so many times. Uh, right. So uh, on that same like, we're the like old stop motion, like the Rankin Bass, like the the Rudolph the Red nosed Reindeer, and uh, like a year without a Santa Claus. Were those ever on your like family's radar, or were they like? Well, actually, I think I watched it with my family like once or twice, and then we watched it in school like almost every year. Like for right. like like uh, oh, supply teacher in today. Okay, we're gonna we're just gonna watch yeah. a Christmas movie, and then yeah. Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer Red comes on. Reindeer. Yeah, yeah, those yeah, ones yeah. are so well done. Like I really oh, really yeah. love those ones. Like it's well, stop motion's impressive enough, but like like yeah, and they're really charming. Exactly, and for me, I find that like I haven't really gotten sick of those just because I haven't seen them so much. But it's movies like Home, like Home Alone, Home Alone Two, and Elf are the three movies for me that I'm like I like them. Don't get me wrong. If I had to pick a favorite Christmas movie, then maybe I guess Home Alone would be there. But it's gotten to the point now where I'm like I I've, I've just seen it so many times that it's just like like the the charm's gone. Oh, but I, I think yes. that uh, that will happen. But I mean, um, is where does Home Alone? Where do the Home Alone movies fall on your uh, list? Uh, I, I I mean Macaulay Culkin like like phenomenal kid actor at the time like he really really like rocked the world he was really great um, like there's a reason why he like a lot of the stuff from uh, like the movie is iconic like for instance when I was doing Miracle on 34th there was uh, all the kids backstage were quoting uh, keep the change you filthy animal and I'm like oh like of course like everybody knows where that's from. So I mean I I love Home Alone it's it's a classic. Um, uh, Joe Pesci too. <laughs> oh, Joe Pesci's great. I don't know what you're uh, talking about over here. Man. <laughs> <You're on> a, <laughs> yeah, uh, like, and uh, I think there's like some really like nice moments in it that like no matter what like I think really represent uh, like Christmas as a whole like in supporting people and just like I think I love uh, the dedication that. Uh, Kevin's mother has to getting back to Kevin and like the like the panic she has and like it's like it's true motherly love that can like that like you love to see and uh, Kevin's growth throughout the film and and of course there's like it's for me Home Alone is a, re a really solid Christmas flick uh, and it's just a like it's a really solid flick set at Christmas like yeah. it's yeah, like with like all the slapstick that the iconic slapstick that comes from the final act of it. It's it's awesome. It's a really like fun movie. So Home Alone's like your number one. Uh, if I had to choose one, because I mean, like I said, like going through the list of Christmas movies uh, that I've seen, I'm like, God damn, like like what's my favorite? Like I don't know what's my favorite anymore. I've seen this movie so many times. Like how do I rank it? Uh, but here's one. Let's end this debate once and for all. Is Die Hard a Christmas movie? Ooh, um, ooh, uh, that is actually a, uh, I was going to make a joke about uh, Die Hard, uh, but uh, you beat me to the punch. Um, <laughs> uh, I do got to say, uh, I am of the opinion, I usually, like, I look for, like, a real good feel, like, feel good message when I look for a Christmas movie, right? That's, like, one, like, uh, something that really represents the holidays, and to me, Die Hard is a movie that is set during Christmas, but is not a Christmas movie. Yeah, that's that's really the best way to put it. Like, it has nothing to do with Christmas. Yeah. 
it just coincidence. It's just a coincidence that it takes place at Christmas. But then someone made the argument saying, "Well, Home Alone also takes place. Home Alone is about being left home alone, but yeah. the plot's not really Christmas related. It just happens to fall on Christmas." I'm like, okay. I mean, that's a valid yeah, well, point, I guess. Yeah, I mean, you're, I mean, you're kind of right there. Uh, that's I, that's where it caught me thinking. I said maybe it is know, a Christmas I, movie. When I see Home Alone and Die Hard, I can't think of the same movies right there. <laughs> Kevin oh. Kevin puts a trap out for uh of the uh, uh Joe Pesci and the guy <laughs> Yippie Kaye motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's, yeah. oh, all right, there. Oh. That was one debate I wanted to settle right off the bat because that's one thing that people I see these oh top five favorite Christmas movies and Die Hard's it, it, in like the top three. I'm like it's not a Christmas movie like it's but then I'm like well hold on Home Alone is my Christmas movie and that's you know as I explained that also coincidentally takes place at Christmas time that is about being left home alone. So I don't know it's this is the best part about cinema is that it's all subjective and this is this this is much like the first episode when we made all these uh, hot takes and everything. This this episode will also spark lots of controversy oh, amongst man. the. I think the elf one has already got me in hot water, Frank. So okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean that's definitely. I mean like you know. They're also uh, those movies too. They're also timeless. You know what I mean? Like you oh, want yeah. like like the next generations to keep on watching them, and and then so our kids will watch Elf, and then they're they will show their kids Elf, and then just so on and so forth. So just that way, they're never gonna die. That's like you know all these movies from the fifties. All our grandparents are showing us. Yeah. I mean, who knows in the future? Who knows what it's gonna look like? I mean. Our grandparents are showing us these old Christmas movies on black and white. What's this? What What are we gonna look like when we're showing our grandkids this? You know what I mean? Like, Very fair. I'm kind of scared to see. But uh, any holiday movie? Uh, just before we wrap up uh, this topic here, any uh, recommendations for our viewers? If anyone needs, like, hey, I I need just a feel good Christmas movie for this time of year. Do you have any suggestions for them? Oh, or absolutely. Uh, my top three Christmas movies of all time. They like. In like no specific order, they can flop around. Uh, number one, you most of the time though is a Muppets Christmas Carol. Mm. Uh, it is so good. It's so charming. If you love the Muppets, it's it's light. It's like the music is really good actually. Like for, uh, and uh, Michael Caine plays Scrooge, and he's bah, great. <laughs> I can't do it, Michael. He's super super good. Uh, actually, one unironically one of my favorite. Uh, uh, renditions of Scrooge, like, and he's surrounded by felt puppets, and it's, oh, but uh, the Muppets are just themselves. Uh, it's a standout, it rocks. Uh, second, uh, one of my mom's favorites, and uh, like a timeless classic, A Christmas Story, uh, with Ralphie and the BB gun, and it is like, it is as classic as you can get. Uh, it is filled with so much love. Uh, the actually, if you if you end up watching it, a uh, very fun fact is that the it, it was all based off of a book, and that uh, the author of the book is actually uh, volunteered to be the narrator for the movie, and he's so funny throughout it all. He's awesome. He's expressive, and like for someone who had like zero acting experience, he like went in there and like he's one of the most memorable parts about that movie and it's nice it's like family of course you got some iconic moments with the leg and the but oh god it's it's awesome and uh to end it off is a very nice charming 
modern Christmas uh, animated movie called Arthur Christmas. And I, I thought originally whenever you said, uh, like, Arthur's, what, what was yours? Uh, Arthur. For Christmas. Arthur's Arthur, Purple yeah. Christmas. <laughs> That's right. Like, oh, man, I didn't know you like. But no, it was, it was um, uh, made by Studio Laika, who, was, who did a lot of stop motion stuff. And it was their first 3D animated film. And it is really, really interesting to, uh, as it goes into, like, what does it mean? What, like, what does Santa Claus mean to, like, like people? Like, is he, like, uh, and it's actually really poignant. It is uh, really well written. James McAvoy's in it, and he is, it's so funny, all the creativity in it through the animation and the sequences and the performances is awesome. Uh, if you like uh, dry British humor, it's up right up your alley. And is James uh, Holden in it? Oh God! Oh God! Don't get me started. <laughs> I it, it would be it wouldn't be in my top three if he was. <laughs> it would have been your top three least favorite <laughs> movies. Oh man! But yeah, uh, for those out there, Arthur Christmas is really worth a watch. Uh, I think it actually just got taken off Netflix though, which is a shame. Oh, imagine that plug. If you have Netflix, watch Arthur Christmas. But psych, it just got taken <laughs> off. Yeah, I could be wrong, but good luck finding it now, kids. Those the first three that come to mind. They're super, super charming. Okay, um, awesome. So Arthur Christmas, uh, a Christmas story, and uh, what was Carol? And a Christmas Carol. Yeah. Oh, uh, Muppets Christmas Carol with Michael Caine. Yes, King. absolutely. So Make there sure we go. Muppets. Definitely be sure to check those out, guys, if you want a nice, feel-good uh, Christmas movie for the year. It is Jansen approved, and uh, so <laughs> if they don't like it, they're going to message back, ah, he beat me, watch that movie, I didn't like it. Uh, but it's fine. <laughs> so now, so uh, moving on from Christmas movies, we're going to go into a darker theme movie, <laughs> which... Um, for those of you guys who uh, don't know, but I mean, it's been all over the internet for, for a while now, that they are making a Joker sequel. Uh, Joker Folie à deux is what they're calling it. And of course, uh, Joaquin Phoenix is uh, returning as Joker, uh, Arthur yeah. Fleck. And uh, Lady Gaga is confirmed to be on as Harley Quinn. Uh, first off, Harley Quinn is Lady Gaga. Or Lady, sorry. <laughs> Lady Gaga. <laughs> Oh. Lady Gaga as Harley Quinn. What do you think about that? Oh, uh, I mean, Lady Gaga, she she rocks, like, from A Star is Born. Uh, I didn't see her in House of Gucci, but I heard she was quite good in that. Um, I, I, I think she rocks. She has such a phenomenal voice. Uh, like, it's awesome because I'm not sure if you heard the, like, rumor, but I heard, anyways, that it's going to be a musical. Yeah, that's correct. And, that's super, super interesting. I'm not entirely sure how I feel about that. But the, oh man, like if Lady Gaga's like going to kill vocally, I just don't know how on like what type of musical it's going to be. Is it going to be original songs? Is it going to be like a jukebox musical where they take in like stuff from other artists? I, it, it blows my mind. I have no idea what to expect if it is a musical, but I am really excited to see, uh, Lady Gaga. I think she's going to rock it. Yeah, I mean, uh, I had a couple people say, Lady Gaga? My God, like, come on. She can't act. Oh. They clearly haven't watched A Star is Born. 
I th- that movie is phenomenal. I love that movie, A Star Is Born. Uh, definitely be sure to check that out. It got taken off Netflix, so this is another oh, one of those. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> but it it is remarkable. She there were times I I forgot that that was Lady Gaga acting in it. Like there were times, and then I, you, you hear her singing. I'm like, that sounds like Lady Gaga. Oh shit, that is Lady Gaga. So, but no, I think she's gonna kill it as Harley Quinn. I really uh, think she will. Um, but you're right, the musical idea that that got a lot of people intrigued or like what are they doing with this movie like this is kind of uh you know so for the big question really is is it a good idea to do this movie because uh of course the first joker was made just as just a standalone like it was just that's it they weren't they weren't trying to start this big franchise it was just a one shot that's it film it wrap it move on uh but when your movie makes a billion dollars you kind of have to go back to the drawing board on that, you know, like, oh, it, it became what the highest grossing R-rated comic book movie of all time, like made over a billion dollars. I think if I'm not mistaken, it also was the first R-rated movie to reach a billion dollars in the box office ever. So, yep. And it's also the first comic book movie where your lead actor wins best Oscar or best actor at the Oscars. That's that's something and deservedly so Joaquin Phoenix was remarkable in that movie um and speaking of him the one thing that has me optimistic about this movie is that uh, from all I hear about Joaquin Phoenix he's an actor who's very particular and very picky about the roles he chooses so if he's agreeing to do Joker 2 then I think the story they got must be good if he's willing to say, oh yeah, I'll do it. Like that's like whatever story they have crafted. If you got Joaquin Phoenix on board and he's willing to do it, I think that's, that's what has me optimistic that it's going to work, but I don't know. What's your opinion? Cause I mean, Joker of course was so good. It was so good on its own. You would think that the studios would just let it be, but when you make a billion dollars, it's like a no brainer from, yeah. from a business point of view. Uh, what do you think? Um, It's, it's interesting. It's, it's very early to tell. Uh, the one thing that also gives me hope is, well, one thing that I think what made Joker such a phenomenon was the fact that it was, well, it was superbly, like, it is a superbly written character drama, like character ran drama. And uh, I hope the, like, the relationship between Harley and Joker has always been like one of the most interesting like relationships in comics i think like uh, like entertainment in general really yeah it's true like uh, it's always been so complex it's so i'm really curious in what direction they would bring it i know typically uh it is like again it's been very a very one-sided relationship a lot of the time but even the the name uh folie deux which means a madness shared by two people yeah so I'm wondering, like, I'm like, I'm I'm really curious to see what exactly like goes on with it, and like I I'm I'm cautiously optimistic. The one thing that is still throwing me off is just the musical aspect because, like, I think it's such a like a wild choice to do, especially coming from like a very heavy like dialogue like like it was all put on the back of Joaquin Phoenix and his portrayal as uh Flack. So um uh, it's like going from that to what 
typically musicals have this sense of spectacle to them, right? Or like this grandiose spectacle to them where like it's above and beyond. And Joker, of course, had like a few moments of that, like with like the stair ki- kicking scene and like- <laughs> Classic. And, but like, when I think of Joker in that movie, the first thing that comes to mind is that uh, scene with him and Tony Bennett in the, uh, like the final, like the, you get what you uh, fucking deserve, right? Fucking deserve, yeah. Yeah, so like, like that is like such a- or Robert De Niro. Robert De Niro, yes. Yeah. I don't know why I thought Tony Bennett. Oh, I was like a Tony it's Bennett. Lucky I dog said. on the brain. That's it. No, I was like a Tony <laughs> Bennett. What the hell are you talking about? Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> no, it's like a Robert De Niro. <laughs> no, Robert De Niro. That's right. Oh God. Oh, that isn't gonna. That's gonna spark the. There's lots of controversy. He knows what he's talking about. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, that scene right there uh, is like it's so heavy and so masterfully written. And like just the subtle like looks and actions that uh, Joaquin Phoenix has sells the entire thing. So I'm wondering if how well that's going to translate into a musical format if it is going down that route. But overall, I I, I have high hopes for it. I, I hope it turns out great. I really do. And Todd Phillips is you know amazing, amazing director, amazing writer. Joaquin Phoenix actually agreeing to do it. I think that's a huge you know any fears you have if the actor who's real picky about his roles chooses to do it right off the bat you got to think okay they, the story they have must be good but one thing that i mean you're right especially the first one is so you know dialogue driven and for me it felt like it didn't even feel like a comp movie it felt like an actual it felt like like the best comparison i could compare is is Dahmer. In a way, that's like the best thing I could compare it to in the way where it's just, you're, you're watching, it feels like you're watching a real person spiral out of control. Like that's really what Joker felt like. And then you're like, oh, right, this is like Joker from Batman. So that's, that's just how good it was. Like it really didn't feel like a comic book movie and it was handled perfectly. So you're right. How are they going to handle that with musicals? You know what I mean? So maybe, I mean, maybe there's just songs in it and it's not entirely a, a musical it's just there's just songs throughout it and someone was was just misquoted it's it's hard to tell now because it's not coming out till 2024 right. so i mean we still got a, a long ways away they they just started filming it and uh, of course we have um, <clears throat> our first picture of joker 2 uh arthur fleck uh walking phoenix shaving uh which <laughs> real exciting <laughs> it's so it's so funny you'll no matter what if it, you know it it can be something from spider-man no way home or something oh my god there's a leaked image of uh tom holland uh mooning the camera and people just go oh my god, this is the best thing ever <laughs> or or like you know like i just chose marvel because marvel's so big yeah, and everything like no matter movie. what or like uh, the trailer for uh guardians of the galaxy 3 could have just been i don't know some like Drax naked or something like that people go, oh my god this is the best thing I've ever seen like I don't know like I'm that just... would be the best thing I've ever seen <laughs> but but and then that's the same deal with Joker it's like okay the first image of Joker 2 is Joker shaving oh my god this is the best thing ever <laughs> but it's true well I mean, it just gets you so excited because it's like just knowing that holy shit it's happening 
Like this is, this is, this is really going to be, uh, so on a scale from one to 10, how would you rate your, uh, excitement level for Joker two? And then also, do you think we need a Joker two? Like, is it like, like, should they have just left it alone? Uh, for me, I think, uh, for me right now, I'm currently like on a scale of one to 10, I'd probably say right now for Joker two, I'm probably sitting around a seven, like moderately excited. I'm cautiously optimistic though. Cause like, I am of the opinion and uh, of that, like, it was it was such a standout film, and I just don't want like it's the worry of attaching anything to a franchise. Where like I hope that the if this then this one coming up flops, that it doesn't like start because like a franchise begins looking bad the more like the more it gets watered down, right? Like the more films that are pushed out the uh, more worried you become of like of like they might lose track of what made the original so poignant at the time mm. and so like impactful that I'm, I'm like I'm I'm cautiously optimistic I don't think it should have come but if it's done really well then well I'd I'd much rather be wrong than right right yeah, exactly. So we'll look back on this in 2024 and think like, yeah, were we right? Were we not? Was it good? We'll find out. Uh, but for me, I'll go, I'll go seven and a half. Ooh, a little more. Okay, I get Closer to eight. I was going to say 7.8, but I don't want to do that. So I'm just going to say 7.5. Um, like you said, I'm cautiously optimistic. Joaquin Phoenix is back. He agreed to do it. Uh, Todd Phillips is back doing it. Uh, they must have something good. I mean, they weren't planning on doing uh, a sequel or starting this franchise, but all they see is dollar signs. So um, it should have just been Joker, and instead of the two, just a dollar sign. Like, that's all. <laughs> oh, yeah, about. fair enough. Fair uh, enough. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so I'm super excited to see how it goes. I mean, it's too soon to tell because we could say right now that, oh, it's going to be shit, and then we find out that it's better than the first one. Like, you know, like, we, we just don't know how it's going to go. But So I'll say seven and a half. You say seven. seven yeah. Let us know, guys. What do you think? Do you think they should have made a Joker 2? Is it? worth it uh how excited are, are uh, for you or how excited are you for it on a scale from one to ten definitely be sure to let us know your thoughts on that and with that down we will wrap up the show here today i want to thank my guest uh jansen black here it's always great to see you man like this is you know you'll, you'll be home for christmas soon we're definitely gonna uh you know get together and see you and uh just what can you say to the viewers who were who were, um, you, you know, it, it, it's such a tight-knit community. A lot of the viewers are from Miramichi. So what can yeah, you say very, to... Yeah, very fair. Um, well, what I'd say is, like, uh, I'm, I'm, well, I uh, love you all. I'll, I'll keep you all in my hearts. I'm still I'm still doing what I'm doing. I've also got the Miramichi spirit, uh, even up here in St. John. And uh, go and watch my first episode to boost up those. Uh, I want to be his number one, baby. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Plus, if you want to hear the aforementioned uh, shirt story in Biloxi oh, Blues, yes. <laughs> we, we touched on, on it briefly here. But if you want to hear it more in depth, go watch the first episode. That's explained fully in detail. Um, so so thank you very, very much for joining, man. It was great to have you back on. And uh, we'll definitely do this again uh, in the new year once you're uh, – hopefully, hopefully when you go famous in St. John that you actually yeah. remember us. I hope you don't forget <laughs> about us or anything. So that's that was my fear. I said I, I better get him on before he gets famous out there and forgets us. Yeah. So. <laughs> 
So here we are. So thank you very much uh, for tuning into the show today, guys. I want to thank my guest again, Jansen Black here. Stay tuned next Tuesday for our season finale, our season one finale um, that will be on Christmas Eve, actually. So uh, thank you for tuning in, guys. This is Frankie and Jansen signing off. Thanks, buddy. Bye.